Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I am your host, Paul Oren, and you can tune in to me on Twitter at NWI Oren, and you can tune in to Union Street Hoops all over the internet. Greetings, everyone. It's November 27th, and I'm going to share with you today an interview that I did with Mark LaBarbera, Valparaiso University Director of Athletics, that I did two days ago, the day before Thanksgiving. And obviously, then we had Thanksgiving, and now here we are. The Crusaders are going to tip off their season later on this evening against Vanderbilt. The team has has traveled to Nashville. They took two buses to get there. They are there. They're going to play the game, and we look forward to that. I am about to hit the road myself to go down to Indianapolis for the state football championship game. Hobart playing at uh, in midday, playing Ron Colley, and that should be an exciting game as well. So for some post-Thanksgiving Black Friday driving around, however you're doing it, please sit back and take a listen to a half hour with Valparaiso University Director of Athletics, Mark LaBarbera. Thank you for joining. It is the day before Thanksgiving. How we're about to have the first, I guess maybe the third sporting event of the year after I think one one or two golf tournaments. And actually, we've had five sporting events so far: two okay. men's golf uh, tur- uh, events, two women's golf events, and a bowling tournament. What What was it like, first of all, to get those events off the ground? I mean, Garrett Willis had this great tournament that he did. The bowling team did excellent in what they did. Um, did, did it just make you savor the opportunities that those athletes were able to have all the more given everything that you've been through since March? Yeah, one of our priorities since we started the year was to, to explore all the um, options we had for providing competitive opportunities to our student athletes. And the fact that we're able to find even a couple over the fall was there was some satisfaction in that. So to let those young people go out and compete a little bit there with that was um that was nice and it just got us that much more excited for the opportunity to get going here now um on friday and then hopefully have a, a lot more athletic events um once again if the virus allows us but um but we are excited to get going um we're pleased to have a couple under our belt and we really now look forward to getting kind of the meat of the season uh, the competition season going this feels like such a strange time. It's it, college basketball started a couple hours ago. Valpo is set to play the men on Friday, the women on Sunday. Um, football, w- which we'll get to in a little bit, was just announced that they were probably going to have a spring season. So it feels like a corner has been turned, but at the same time, the numbers are going up. And it feels, as you have said before, we're only going to be able to do what the virus lets us do. Um, I guess from your position and where you sit right now, just is it like a is it a minute by minute day by day thing that you're going through to make sure that 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 games are able to happen and, and how they're able to happen? I wouldn't say it's a minute by minute thing, but it's definitely a day by day um, process. So you, you we've been doing a lot of planning, obviously since um, since the early summer, uh, as we as we kind of try to look ahead and it, you look ahead and then you. Th- think you know what's going to happen and then things change so um it is kind of I'll, I'll say it's day it's definitely day by day we've seen that already with men's basketball we've already had our first game uh, we announced our schedule and then the very next day we had to cancel our first game out of that schedule uh so 
you know, yeah, it, it's day by day. I would say this, it, it, it has gotten better though, because we understand more about how to, um, I guess, proceed ahead with the virus. So there was, in the spring, we really had no options. We, we just had to cancel everything. It was difficult to see how you could go and try to put events together and how you could keep, um, you could protect the health of, of the coaches and the, and the kids. And now we have a better understanding of that. And so now it's given us more opportunity to move ahead. But even then, as, as once again, as we've seen, it's still day to day and it's, and it's still difficult. And I anticipate that the season that um, we're looking at now for basketball probably is likely not going to be the season we play, but we will definitely play a season. Yesterday, I had the chance to talk to Matt Lodick and several of the players, and, and they alluded to or flat out said that they had been quarantined for two to three and a half weeks. I, I know that, that some schools are, are, are being very loud about their quarantines. Others are, are just kind of like they're not really talking about it. I know that you had some. I guess, can you talk about the process you had to go through sure. this fall with all of your sports teams? When did you decide to quarantine a team or a player or an entire program or an entire department? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, as a private school, we're not, we don't quite have the same um, information requirements that's, yep. that the state schools have. So we do tend to be a little more quiet and a little bit more private about what we're doing. But I, I would um, tell you that we have had um, a, a number of student athletes quarantined. Well, We've had, we've had student athletes isolated and we've had them quarantined. And, and as anybody that's now been managing COVID knows that there's a difference between the two. So you isolate those that actually have positive tests and then you quarantine those that come up in um, contact tracing. So uh, we did start the beginning of the school year. We did test everyone. So all of the student athletes and all of the coaches were tested when before they were allowed to do any athletic activity. So we started from that base of, of what we knew um, we did have a couple positives in the in in August that did require us to quarantine some of our student athletes. Um, we only had one team at that point that needed to quarantine everyone that so they had to start a little later. Uh, that was volleyball. Um, we were pretty good for most of the school year and then we kind of got to the end of October. I kind of attributed to the really nice weather all those 70 days which made it easier for people to socialize. Um, the student athletes had been really good and they, they continue to be really good with our protocols, wearing masks in the building. They have a, uh, all the student, uh, students at Velpo have to do a daily check-in. Um, our student athletes have to do a second check-in when they come to the athletic facilities. They do a second screening, they get a temperature check, they have to get a, a health badge for the day that enables them to practice. Uh, they've all been good about that. The coaches with social distancing and even then with that, um, at the end of October, going into the beginning of November, uh, we did have a number of positives come up that did require um, a, a significant number of quarantines out of the um, positives. We only had a handful of, of positives, but we did end up with a fair number of, of, of young people in quarantine. Um, we did actually pause all of our athletic activity at the beginning of November for a week. So everything in the department was on pause. Uh, and, and then we came out of that, we were able to let some of the teams continue to go back. Uh, so it, it's really kind of managed, basketball is getting managed differently than everyone else because of the importance of the basketball season. So uh, for basketball, you've seen the announcement for the Missouri Valley, we did um, purchase a technology Connexon, which allows us to track the exposure during um, athletic activity 
when the teams are together, it's really a pretty slick technology. It was used inside the NBA bubble. The SEC has been using it for football. Um, so that's allowed us to restructure practices, restructure the way we do team meetings, the way our teams interact with each other, uh, and able to kind of keep the contact down to minimize the impact of a positive test if, if we were to have one. So there's been a lot going on. It's been interesting. And, and once again, that does change day by day. But we've had a lot of the same issues as, as other places. And But I think we have a pretty good system now for managing it. And once again, really looking after the health of the coaches and the kids. When we talked to Matt yesterday during his media availability to, uh, to a bunch of us, um, he'd mentioned that yesterday morning the basketball team had to do a PCR test mm -hmm. and they can't leave until they get those results in. And I think maybe that's dictated by the SEC. Is each non-conference game kind of going to have its own set of parameters in terms of what is, what's needed to, to travel or to bring somebody to campus? Yeah, so there's an NCAA baseline, if you want to say that. So the NCAA has made a whole set of recommendations, and they've been updating those every couple of weeks. So right now, the recommendations around testing from the NCAA for basketball is three, a minimum of three antigen tests a week. So now there's antigen tests, which is what people typically call a quick test, which you can get the results back in 15 minutes. And then there's the, the PCR test which is the more invasive uh, nasal yeah. swab um, that that's got a little, that's got a higher accuracy. So that's considered the gold standard. So um, the uh, power five conferences have a little different. They each have their own um, testing uh, requirements that are a step above the NCAA's minimum recommendation. So the SEC did require a PCR test within um, 72 hours of the game at Vanderbilt. So the team did get tested yesterday. The results have been back. Everyone is on their way to the game. So we're, we're pleased with that. Um, um, and the Big Ten, when we play Purdue, their testing requirements are a little bit different. So for that week, we will use the Big Ten testing um, requirements to make sure we can get that game in. But on the whole, we'll be testing three times a week. We'll be testing all our basketball players three times a week with an antigen test um, just as a screening tool. Um, and, and we're hopeful that with that, we could be able to move ahead successfully. This is maybe a, an interesting question. Um, we always talk about follow the money. Is this a department cost? Who, is this an NCAA thing? Yeah. Is, I mean, no, it's not an NCAA. No, it's, it's, a, it's a department cost. So one of the things we put a lot of time and effort into is managing how we do that, obviously. Yeah. So a combination of, um, of insurance coverage and savings in other areas. So there are areas where we've saved um, some money, uh, a lot having to do with travel and recruiting. So we've been able to rearrange our budget in such a way. Uh, so um, that even with all that, though, we're still going to have some financial issues, and uh, we're going to be talking about that um, here in the, after the first of the year. Uh, you'll see you've seen a lot of schools have now have kind of COVID-related fundraising initiatives, and um, so we're looking at those kind of things because even with all the strategies we put in place, um, it's still there's still a cost to it that's going to end up uh, we're going to have. But at the end of the day. The athletic activity is important. It's important to the students that come here. It's an important part of their Velpo experience. It's the reason they chose the school. Uh, so we're doing everything we can to get that in and do it in a safe way. 
Same thing with the basketballs. You know, that's an important part of what makes us a national university. So we want to do everything we can to um, to continue to do that and and give the university a real base to to kind of get its message out um, on a national level. So, um, um, but it's all being done thoughtfully and as prudently as possible um, within the resources that the university's got. So basketball is, you know, obviously the start of the season was pushed back a couple of weeks and there's been a lot of, there will be a lot of moving pieces with scheduling, but you're operating from a blueprint of the November to March, April model with football, with volleyball, with soccer, with all of the fall sports. Now it's kind of like when, how, how do you, how do you lay out a blueprint? I imagine it takes coordination from the Valley, from the NCAA, you throw in football, the Pioneer Football League. I guess I want to start with football. Exciting announcement. It yeah. looks like there's going to be some games. Um, the football team, for those who have not been paying attention, did kind of a elongated spring practice in the fall, and they were able to have a lot of fun competition environments with each other. Um, what can you say about what will happen in the spring? And I, I guess how excited are you for the chance to maybe provide some as we now have come to call them uh, competitive opportunities for yeah. athletes. Yeah, we're very excited that that football will have a season. We will hopefully they have a season. I always caution people that, you know, they'll have a season as long as, uh, as, as the virus will permit. Um, once again, we, we feel like given what we know that we'll be able to get a football season in, uh, so we, we are working with a base six game schedule for the PFL. We don't know exactly what that will look like yet. Obviously, it'll have three games at home, three on the road. Uh, that will, I'm sure, evolve over time. Uh, the PFL is an interesting league because it's so spread out nationally. The logistics of it are a little different than the other than being in the Valley. There are some schools in some really um, interesting places when it comes to COVID. I mean, people might say that about us real right now. Yeah. I mean, Northwest Indiana has not been doing well the last month. Similarly, when you look at Marist and New York, they have their own set of challenges and Drake, um, Iowa as a state has its own set of challenges. So we'll have to see where all that is as we, as we get into the spring, but we are excited that we're going to be able to have that. We're looking forward to it. I'm confident that we will get the better part of that in. I'm always, um, I'm hopeful we'll get all six in, but um, it, I'm confident we'll get the better part of it in. And we do have an AQ. The PFL doesn't have an AQ. There is a conference championship uh, to, to compete for yet and the opportunity to be in the NCAA postseason. So that's all going to be good. The football players have been great. Um, they've been really understanding. They've been really pretty patient with everything. They did, as you mentioned, have a, a nice kind of uh, modified spring season in the fall. They did get a lot in. They did have a scrimmage. They, I, I saw some really good things in the scrimmage. Uh, it was there uh, to watch. Um, like any other spring, there's obviously things that need to be worked on. Uh, so um, you mentioned volleyball and soccer. That will be interesting uh, to start a soccer season in February in Northwest Indiana and, and Chicago and Des Moines and all the other places where the Valley is. That will be interesting. Uh, we are excited to give those young people competitive opportunities right now. Uh, both of those uh, programs just have conference schedules. That's probably pretty much what they'll have. They might be able to fit in one or two non-conference games. It will present some challenges facilities-wise as we yeah. try to do everything in the spring. We do actually have a master schedule already. We have laid things out. Um, it will be interesting. There's not quite as much overlap as we thought there might be. 
Uh, it also does help us that the Pioneer Football League is administered by the Missouri Valley. So they'll be doing the schedule and they know already where our conflicts would be as far as uh, what will happen in the spring. So they'll be able to help us mitigate that to a certain extent. We have talked a couple times since March, various interviews here and there. Uh, they've, they've all kind of run together because I feel like it's just been one long day since March 11th. Yeah. Um, I do remember one of the conversations we had was about spring athletes who were granted an additional year of eligibility and how many of those kids would ultimately come back. Um, and, and now they're, you know, the NCAA has come forward and said winter sport athletes are going to get an right. additional year of eligibility, even if they play a season this year. And I imagine that would lead to expanded rosters as you've already signed players for next year. Do you have any sense as to what that might look like? And, you know, I actually, in full disclosure, I asked Malik McMillan yesterday about this and he said, I'm just focused on this year. I just want to play now. I'll deal with that when it comes. I imagine you look at a bigger picture than that. Yeah, we have to look at a bigger picture because we need to be out in front of it as do the coaches as they, because they are obviously recruiting, even though they can't go off campus and, and kids can't come here, but there's obviously a lot of active recruiting. You could see that in the signing period here a week or so ago, we, we signed a lot of, of kids that for this incoming class. So that is gonna be a challenge uh, for schools uh, like Valpo. It's gonna be a challenge for us. We don't have the resources to just add additional scholarships to all our programs. So we need to be able to look at that and, and um, I guess be a little more thoughtful and maybe a little bit more creative. Uh, you know, I can look back at what we had to do in the spring. A lot of our spring athletes chose not to use that additional year of eligibility, but we were able to uh, put together some uh, plans for, uh, I think four or five baseball players, I forget now exactly which, who really had the interest in going to graduate school. So we were able to help them put that together so they could go to graduate school here at Belpo which was a good thing for everyone to keep them here as part of the program to help them get off to a good start with their graduate degree. So um, we're just gonna have to take a look at it, but it's gonna be hard. It's gonna, it's gonna require the coaches to make some difficult decisions. It's gonna require them to adjust the way they recruit because we just don't have the resources to provide that many scholarships for the next couple of years um, here at a place like Valpo. And once again, that's not unique to us. You're yeah. hearing that conversation at many schools, including some of the big schools, which is interesting. So um, it will be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, I think you'll see probably more transfers if that's possible. I think that maybe will pick up as kids maybe find that they don't have a place at their current school, but maybe there's some other schools that would be looking at them. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. And um, I'm not gonna predict how it's gonna go, but it'll be, it'll be different and it'll be interesting and um, we know some of those young people will stay here and we're excited about that, but some of them will um, be moving to whatever's next for them. Well, let's talk about something good for a second. Sure. The baseball field is being reworked. What, yeah. what additions are you making over to the baseball field? Yeah, so we're excited. So we, we have a full, a full, I have in my office a full build out for baseball that would, would renovate the entire thing. What we're doing right now is, is phase one of that uh, the full project can be done probably in three or four phases. This is the first phase. So what we're doing out there is we are putting an AstroTurf field in for the infield and in, in the follow, follow areas. So the outfield will continue to be grass. It's a similar setup to what Illinois State has. Um, we've been there. We've looked at it. It's, it's very nice. Um, we're going to do some uh, drainage and um, irrigation work in our outfield. 
We're going to redo a, a lot of the fencing, in, particularly in front of the dugouts. Um, we're going to deal with some of the drainage around the field. And then the last piece is uh, we're upgrading the technology. Uh, we are the only school in the Valley that currently can't stream their games to ESPN. So we very much want to be able to get that done too. So this will all be a big step forward uh, for us. It'll uh, provide us the opportunity to have more home games because it will give us a good quality service that will be available regardless of weather. Uh, so we'll have that will give us the opportunity to have more home games. It'll give us some more opportunities to practice actually on the field, particularly in the uh, fall and in the early spring as we lead into the season. It's a great step forward. Uh, we are excited. We really want to be able to compete uh, for a Missouri Valley Conference championship. It is an amazing baseball conference. I don't know if everybody yet realizes what a quality baseball conference is. Um, it is a top 10 collegiate conference. Uh, two years ago, I don't know where we ended up last year because the season got halted, but the year before that, we were ranked ahead of the Big Ten as a conference for baseball. So to be in, in a, a, a conference that's that strong, uh, particularly with the history and the tradition we have in our baseball program. We're excited about that. So um, I, I, I did say this in some other settings. Um, I'm looking for the last $100,000 to get that whole thing done. We've raised most of it. Um, that would enable to make sure we actually can get streamed. So um, we're, that's a priority between now and when baseball starts. Uh, but it's a lot of exciting things happening. And we're really excited for that program and looking forward to seeing um, if we can compete at the top of the Valley. Well, Ryan Brokoff just re-signed to the Philadelphia 76ers, so that might be the first phone call. Um, I guess I want to end with I want to end with this um, the spectator situation mm -hmm. at the park. Obviously, it's going to be difficult to bring in people off the street. You talk about all of the different checkpoints that the athletes have to go through to get in the building. Um, just what have the conversations been like about that? And knowing that fans can't be there right now. Are there plans to jazz up the inside of the arena at all during the games? Are you doing cardboard cutouts or are you going to, you know, what, anything like that? Yeah. So um, yeah, we're disappointed that we won't be able to have uh, the building open to the general public to start. Uh, clearly all of our decisions that are for spectators are driven first by what's happening in the state of Indiana. Uh, and, and if people are familiar with Indiana, you know, we've got the, we've got this, um, system and we are red as a county, which is not good. That's the worst you can be. So that dictates uh, the events that are possible. And then uh, starting with that as the base, then we need to go to Porter County. We need to put a plan in front of Porter County. They've been really good to work with to make sure that what we're doing, the, the local health authorities are comfortable with. So we've been able to put all that together and we do have a plan in place that we announced that that will only permit um, a limited number of family to come in to watch the players. Um, we figure when we're all said and done with the, the players and the people running the event, they'll probably be somewhere between 250, probably max 250 people in the building to start with. Uh, but that's really where we need to be. We need to be very thoughtful about the community health, um, the health of our players, the people that come to the games. We will review that in, at the end of December and then we'll see where we are as a state, where we are as the county and if we can expand that we do have a plan that has a variety of levels. We are now at restricted access level one. Uh, that's, that's only families. That's a step above closed. So we're glad that we're a step above closed. Um, and there's a couple other levels in between that we'll see if we can work our way through. 
Um, we, we have had a conversation with alumni about selling cutouts. So we're gonna check with them to see where that is. We are gonna work with Van Wagner to try to do some things um, to put a little bit more color uh, into, the, into the facility. Uh, right now, we've just kind of finalizing the setup to make sure that we meet um, all the health requirements we need, even with a reduced number of people in. So right now, when people see it, it'll probably still look a little bland, but we're hope it should look differently as we move in now that we know exactly where we're going to be. And I would say this to everybody, we put off the decision as long as possible, um, because the way I looked at it, the longer we put it off, the longer it was until we were told no. Um, and with the hope that maybe something would break our way and we could um, we could get to a situation where more people could be involved. But that's just not going to be the case right now. So that's fine. Um, I just I've been watching some today. I was watching Illinois State at Ohio State and Drake at uh, Kansas State. And, you know, people are doing a nice job. There's a good feel to it. So hopefully we'll be able to do that in the arc, too. Final question, Mark, and again, thank you always for joining. Sure. The Missouri Valley Conference just said, look, we're going to change the conference schedule. Um, how much was was that that was that a president's conversation, AD's conversation above, you know, and, and kind of uh, just your thoughts on what the conference basketball for the men and the women may look like? Is it going to be like in every other weekend? You have the men in one, you have the women in another and and go from there. Yeah, it's been an interesting process. We have had I've been doing this, I tell people, for 30 years now, intercollegiate athletics. Uh, the amount of time we've spent as conference, as a conference um, meeting is unprecedented. And that's why you say it changes daily. So we're in a mode where I'll have a minimum of two, maybe three MVC meetings a week, uh, typically with, a, with the ADs and conference officials, but then other groups as we look through what we're trying to do. We really um, tried to, we, we held on as long as possible to the traditional schedule because it really does have an impact on competitive equity. We really are convinced that there are going to be some good teams in the Valley this year that do have the potential to be an at-large. I always tell people that, um, of course, I get to see our team practice. I believe very strongly that we are very underrated at the, where we were in the preseason poll. I understand why people put us there because of changes on the team, uh, but we've got, I think we've got a pretty talented team. And I believe like last year, we're going to show differently than people think uh, we're going to show um, at this point in the year. Uh, so we wanted to keep that competitive equity as long as we could, but the farther we got into it, into the fall and the closer we got to the season, the more apparent it became that it was going to be difficult to get in the games we really needed to get in with that schedule. So the more we talked it through as athletic directors, had conversations with the coaches, the more we talked it through, the more we looked at what was going on in our communities, the more apparent it became that if we were gonna get as many conference games in as possible, and the goal is to get all 18 of them in, to really be prepared for the postseason, that we were gonna have to do things differently. So we, yeah, we, do, we did go to what we're calling the block scheduling in the conference. So it will be much different than people are used to seeing. We will play four of the teams on the road and four teams at, at home. And our travel partner, which for us would be Loyola, we will play home and home. So you will see Loyola in our building once and we'll be at the Gentile Center once. But then we'll have four of those uh, other schools will be at our place for back-to-back -back games, Fridays and Saturdays. And then four of those will be on the road and the same thing will happen. And the intent is to get those games in, to reduce the amount of travel, 
to reduce the amount of exposure um, that, you, that you have going off campus to, to, to possibly pick up the virus. But it also provides us more flexibility and opportunities to get games in. So it frees up some midweeks. There's also going to be some time at the end of the season that frees that we freed up to be able to get games in if we lose a weekend. I guess so. This this begs two two follow up questions, and then we'll be done. Um, is it is it Friday Saturday? Have they set in stone yet what days of the week those games will be? Um, it's not set in stone, and there's going to be some conversations. Um, I think with television, and I, I don't want to get out in front of that. But but keep in mind what we're going to have to manage is. Um, we're going to have men's and women's, and they're both going to have the block scheduling. Yeah. Um, and then we're also, at the end of that, going to have volleyball, which is also going to have block scheduling. So all of that's got to be coordinated in such a way. So I think you're going to be looking at um, games probably between basketball, the two basketballs and volleyball, Thursday between Thursdays and Mondays, and how those get uh, scheduled in over the course of the, of the year, particularly as television has considerations. And that's obviously important to us as a league, that national exposure through ESPN and CBS. So, um, but you're going to see it. It's all going to happen on weekends, essentially. Yeah. Yes. And it's all going to happen back to back. So uh, the men will play two consecutive nights. The women will play two consecutive nights. Um, we'll see how it all fits together. I anticipate maybe in a week or so, the league will be able to have that put together. And this is probably a question for, for Doug or Mike at the league, but uh, you know, you're, you get Loyola, Presumably, you'll split a home and, and home. Right. I look at the top two teams in the league that are picked to, to finish 1-2 in some order, Loyola and Northern Iowa. One of those teams is going to host the other team twice, and the other one's right. going to go on the road twice. And is it uh, – I mean, are they picking names out of a hat, or do you have any idea how they're going about figuring out who's hosting who? You know, I really don't real, – I really don't know. Some of it I know is, is going to be driven by building availability. Yeah. So that's going to have to be, uh, that will definitely be a factor, uh, but how they're doing it, I don't know. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to know. I would say this, that the Missouri Valley staff is as good as there is in intercollegiate athletics. I mean, the staff there is first rate, uh, starting with Doug Elgin, the commissioner, but Patty Viverito and Greg Walter, and then the other people they have, uh, Jack Watkins and Mike Kern, and I, I don't, I'm going to miss people. I shouldn't start naming people, but they have a first-rate staff, top to bottom, and um, they will come up with a, a reasonable way to do it, and then we know there's going to be competitive inequity. It's just there's no way around it with that schedule, and then we're just all going to have to live with it, and it is what it is, but um, I really um, trust their, the process that they'll use to, to put it together. Well, considering the alternative of not being able to play at all, I'm happy to, to bring yeah. in competitive inequities if that just means games still get played. Mark, thank you as always. Yep. It's always a pleasure. Um, you know, I hope to see you in St. Louis yeah. uh, and, and, and at the Ark, maybe perhaps. I'll be there with badges and masks on. So. Yes, you will. And I, I've, uh, I was part of the, uh, the team that put the protocols together. We spent a lot of time on that this summer and we actually just read it or, uh, revise them about a week and a half ago. So we've got all brand new ones. Um, but uh, yes, I hope to uh, be there. Um, and uh, I know you'll be there. And I know the protocols you got to go through. And I know the protocols I got to go through to go get in the building. But it will be good to see athletics um, live and in person. Marco Barbara, thank you very much. In a, a year unlike any other, it has certainly been, uh, it's been a pleasure today. Thank yes, you. thank you. It has been an unconventional year, to say the least. And it's always a pleasure to uh, spend time with you. And Happy Thanksgiving, Paul. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy holiday. Nobody.
nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Yes. <laughs> there you go.